Oh, hello everyone. Welcome to episode 25 of the Dudes Spankin' Dudes podcast. This is not a podcast about getting by in the gig economy, nor is it a podcast about the Bulgarian copper mining industry. This is a podcast about dudes who are spanking dudes and dudes who are spanked by other dudes. And this show is hosted by two dudes. Hi, my name is Cutter, the Sour Patch Kid. Hey, Cutter, the Sour Patch Kid. Welcome to the podcast. I am your host, Red Spank Scott, or Red SPK Scott, or a new nickname, Hotbot Scott, which I'll get to at the end of the podcast. Uh, so thanks for coming on the show, Cutter. You are here to represent uh, the type of dude that people have been begging me to get on the podcast, which is um, straight dudes. So give us a little bit of your background and you know how you know us here in the spanking community. Wow. So thanks for having me. And so much pressure. I represent an entire <laughs> uh, group of people who are straight and spank the same sex. Um, <laughs> yeah, every answer is a word of gospel. Uh, we, we are kidding. That is obviously not the case. Uh, yeah. Uh, well, I can I can say I'm going to I will speak from my own experience. I cannot speak for everyone on the podcast, but uh, I have been a part of the BDSM community now for about four years or so, uh, actually in the community. Um, I am part of a organization called Threshold. I serve on the board. And uh, I believe some of your listeners may have heard my name mentioned in the last podcast. I actually am uh, the board member who sort of oversees and helps um, sort of co-host the new Moonburn party in conjunction right. with Threshold. So that's how I've got, that's how I met you and how I met the Moonburn community. Um, and yeah, I've been I've been spanking guys since the beginning, since I got into the BDSM community, though I am straight. Yes. So we're going to talk about that a lot. Um, uh, some of it is going to be hopefully be nice and positive. But there is some sort of real talk uh, that we need to have about if you're a dude into spanky dudes and you want to have spanky interactions with heterosexual dudes, uh, how to conduct yourselves appropriately. Uh, but again, we will we will do it in a positive sense uh, before that. Uh, I first of all, I need to apologize to my audience. I have been very, very, very behind in recording a new episode um, for, for anyone who thinks I should be spanked for that. Part of it is because I've been getting spanked a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I have uh, for the past month, seriously, four weekends in a row, I have been doing um, some spanking play. Uh, and it's actually started with going out to Georgia for Badass Weekend, which was a, a subject of a couple of previous episodes. If you want to go back and look it up, I have people begging me to talk about it for another podcast episode. Uh, I might in a future podcast episode, but everyone's been, you know, I promised I promised that we would uh, have this episode as soon as I could have someone on who could speak uh, about the experiences of uh, heterosexual men in the spanking seed. So I wanted to get that out of the way. Um, but I've had, you know, I've been traveling, I've had some technical issues, I'm on a new computer, I'm on a new headset. So there have been a lot of things that are going on that have kind of kept me from recording. So I promise, you know, hopefully I've actually got two future episodes already in the works. Um, and there are some announcements coming down the line that I'm not able to talk about for this episode as yet. Uh, but I'm working on it and I'm expecting some big news to be coming out, uh, possibly in the next podcast episode. So stay tuned. Uh, but that's all I have to say for that. Uh, I'll just say Badass Weekend is great. Uh, I am getting more and more comfortable with getting back into being a spanking bottom. And I have been getting spanked a lot. Uh, and it, it's a lot of fun. Um, 
And I'm very happy to be able to get into that that headspace again. It was something that was difficult for me for a long time. It started as a bottom, ended up becoming more of a top because it was something I, I something got in the way of bottoming. It's just just get it. This is just put it in that. I've just been getting back into it. So I've got to be more evenly a switch. Um, so with that, let us get into the real dude spanking real dude section. And uh, one of the big reasons uh, that I've been, I've been looking for someone like you kind of to come on um, from the very start of doing this podcast episode, I've people who have been interacting with me have wanted me to talk about what the deal is with, with, with straight men in the scene who are interested in spanking play with other men. I've actually had, you're not the first uh, heterosexual person, heterosexual man that I've interacted with. Uh, uh, I've had people, heterosexual men, email, heterosexual dudes email me through the podcast to talk about and say, yeah, I'm a heterosexual guy who's into spanking, you know, and being spanked by their dudes. Uh, you're not even the first. Pri you're primarily a, a, a top, right? So, so tell us a little bit about your spanking identity. Yeah. So, um, I correct. I am a top. I identify as a sensual sadist. Uh, so, I really get off on the vulnerability and the intimacy that happens within my scenes, and I choose to channel those things through pain. Mm -hmm. um, and with that, I, I also really enjoy the energy exchange that happens. And there's something when it comes to spanking, that body-to-body that -body contact, that immediate exchange of energy that I really am attracted to um, in terms of, of something that I enjoy. I think that when we use toys or when we use tools, uh, you end up having to channel that energy through an inanimate, inanimate object to another person. Right. And there's a potential there that your energy that you're wanting to transfer over gets distorted. Right. Right. With spanking, it's just so immediate. Like as soon as you, you know, do that uh, to someone, I get to feel what I'm putting into that person, um, as well as they get to feel what my intention is in that. Yeah, as I have, so I've kind of expanded my own horizons. I started into the scene completely into spanking, and I have more recently gotten more into flogging as a bottom. And just this past weekend, uh, JR, who was on our last episode, uh, did a lengthy flogging scene with me. And it was interesting, you know, and I felt it was a really nice endorphin rush on my end. But it was one of those situations where, like, since I'm also a spanking top, I'm like, this isn't as intimate you know, as spanking, it doesn't feel, I'm enjoying it. And I like, you know, it's a different, it's a completely different, it's interesting and helps and wonderful in a completely different way, but it didn't feel as intimate when, as when holding me down, beating my ass. Mm -hmm. <laughs> For sure. So you, you, uh, very quickly when you got to the seed, you also, you discovered that you like playing with, you know, that you're interested in spanking was not really connected to the sex of your partner. Is that correct? Correct. Uh, when I first came into the scene, I had what many would call top frenzy. I, I attended the event every single day for 30 days. Um, oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> I did nothing but soak in knowledge and, and, and talk with people. And then the next month, month and a half I was in the scene, I did nothing but bottom. I wanted to learn what it was like being on the receiving end of things. Um, and I was very nervous at that point to to move into a, a, a top space or, or into a top sort of dynamic because I, I was afraid of, of what would happen. I'm like, how do I fill an entire hour of play, uh, <laughs> especially with no toys? I didn't own any toys. All I had were my hands. 
And then all of a sudden, the the opportunity presented itself, and the very first thing I did was with a trans masculine person. Right. Um, and that that was the first scene. And in fact, the first scene I bought him for was with uh, was for a male who was teaching um, uh, a female how to flog. So even then, I my my, my very first scenes, either as a bottom or as a top, w- was with a masculine energy present. Right. And but there was no and to be clear here, there was no there was masculine energy and you liked uh, that experience. But it's not the same as saying that there was sexual energy. Correct. Yeah, I I was not um, sexually or romantically attracted to uh, the masculine person um, or the masculine energy was not a turn on for me romantically or sexually. Right. Yeah. And that's that's one of the things that um, uh, sometimes uh, and we'll talk a little bit deeper about this. It, it be is for I hear from heterosexual men who um, find it challenging to uh, have their orientations respected uh, when they are playing with men. Um, and uh, and I hear from uh, gay and bisexual men who have a difficult time considering the idea that somebody who uh, wants to spank or wants to be spanked by other men is heterosexual. Um, but there is no sexual attraction. Um, correct. Right. Right. Yeah. So I think I think what we really have to do is we have to take a look at why is it that someone spanks? Why is it that someone's into BDSM? Why is it, you know, why is it that we do what we do? Um, for me. You know, I really enjoy people. I enjoy connecting with people and I enjoy spanking. Like I said, the the immediate energy exchange that happens uh, is very exciting to me. Um, And it really doesn't matter who that person is, you know, uh, that's on the receiving end of that spank. Um, I will say there I do have a different experience when I am topping another masculine person. Um, than when I'm topping uh, a feminine person. How, right? how is it? Yeah. How is it different? Um, I get into a greater top space, either faster or deeper uh-huh. uh, when I'm playing with a with a masculine person. Is that does that mean that you can push harder when you're when you're playing with men, you push the scene further or you do more? Not necessarily. Um you know, I, I think every individual is going to sort of have their, their limits and what that mm-hmm. looks like. You know, uh, I haven't found a, a, a common commonality between which uh, gender is going to be able to take more in terms of intensity when it comes to like um, the amount of force I'm using in a scene. I, I, I think that's what you're asking. Yeah. For me, what I'm what I'm talking about is uh, and maybe maybe your listeners aren't familiar with the term. um top space or, or subspace. But well, yeah, we, we refer to it as just, we've talked about it in a, in a set, but we kind of refer to it. Yeah. As headspace. Uh, we do, yeah. you know, top space, bottom. I, I talk about bottom headspace a lot because bottom headspace, I mean, both, both headspaces are important, but when you get delving into spanking, bottom headspace is just very, very like important, but, but yeah, go on. So, yeah. So if you've already done a podcast on it and then maybe they can refer to that um, while we're talking about the subject. But for me, it's the uh, the intensity of that headspace that I get into. 
right? Uh-huh. Um, I can I can get to it quicker and I can stay in it longer and I can experience, you know, greater when I'm playing with another man. So you've you've uh, your background with interactions with men. So so let's kind of you know just look at that. How did you decide what is it about the 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 physicality of men? that draws you into spanking play, but doesn't make it feel sexual to you? Well, so I have a sports background. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I, I enjoy playing sports. I, I did football when I was uh, in middle school, and then I, I did soccer and cross country. And so there is a camaraderie that you get when you are playing in these sports and on these teams. Um, there's also a, a great sense of, of competitiveness. You know, right. I did gymnastics for a time as well. And uh, in, in gymnastics, it's interesting because it's an individual competition with yourself. You're, you're trying to get the highest score possible and you're putting your body through through some sort of strenuous activity. Um, but you're also competing against your own teammates in that fact. But then also as a team collective, you're competing against other teams. There's a lot of competition going around in gymnastics. Right. I'm also very much into board games. And when I'm playing a board game, I get very competitive. And so what, I've, what I've sort of found is when the, when the competitiveness is high, um, I end up getting into a headspace quicker. Right. Um, and so there's, there's probably something there when I'm playing with another man or another masculine person of, of that sort of competitiveness nature. Now, I, I don't, think of my scenes as very being very adversarial you know what i'm really hoping at the end of my scene is to have a greater connection right but i'm a relatively smaller guy i i'm about five seven five eight around 140 or so pounds um so the if, if the person i'm playing with is much larger than i am whether whether in height or or much more muscular than i am uh and they're masculine that sort of um difference really adds into the headspace I'm getting into because I, I tend to find myself in competition with men of that size, whether it's like trying to prove that I'm masculine or whether it's just trying to hold space around them. Um, you know, my, my family tends to have uh, taller, bigger men, and I'm, I'm really the smaller guy of, of the clan. Uh-huh. So it is interesting of finally being able to top another man who – I wouldn't otherwise get to it in, in normal vanilla settings. Oh, that's very interesting because like it takes it away from your concepts of this sort of play is taking it away from a, a discipline perspective that is common, but not universal in the dude, dude spanking scene. And for me, I like that because, because first of all, I'm not into disciplinary scenes either. And particularly as the funny thing is like as a bottom, that's what I like when I'm, when I'm getting into my bottom space is I like to play tough. I'm not like, Oh, well, I'm sorry, Daddy. I don't do I don't do any of that stuff. You can tell, and it's funny when when I'm bottoming. You can tell when I hit my bottom headspace because I start growling, mm. and, and so so that for me that's very interesting. Um, I've also heard from, but I've also heard from heterosexual men who are into spanking who also do want to use, um, uh, spanking play to live out. Uh, disciplinary style scenarios that allow them to let go, you know, particularly bottoms, um, heterosexual bottoms who are looking for spanking from uh, from other men. And it has again, it's the masculine vibe is a different kind of space from, you know, doing it with a, you know, a femdom 
Um, and so they're trying to capture that without, again, without it being sexual. Uh, and the other thing that's interesting is I've been, uh, I've been seeing more and more experience. Maybe it's because I, maybe I'm, maybe there's a bias that I'm noticing it more and more as I'm becoming, as I'm getting more and more comfortable with bottoming again. Um, what you're describing, I actually hear this from, uh, younger tops or dom guys around your age that they enjoy. There's definitely now, uh, and I don't know if it's a particularly new dynamic, but I, it's something that I'm paying, I'm seeing a lot of attention to is younger dom, older bottom, uh, mm. older, bigger, beefier bottom. Um, uh, the guy started the podcast with a soup goblin who helped me create the podcast. He loves that fantasy. He Absolutely, he absolutely loves to see the big beefy guys getting spanked by uh, by by smaller little guys. So, so there's definitely there's definitely a thing there that's that's very very interesting and is something that I've been you know trying to pay attention to as I'm trying to with this podcast of like wanting to try and find new ways of inviting guys into the scene, you know, who have <laughs> different interests and making sure they don't feel like Oh, it's only it's only about, you know, dads and naughty boys. And that's the only way that you play with spanking, um, uh, because a lot of guys just are, a lot of guys are into that. Not all of them. So, so it's very interesting to hear that that interest uh, from someone heterosexual, you know, someone who's heterosexual. Um, so let's talk about do's and don'ts. Um, well, let, let's start off with like don'ts. What? <laughs> When you are in a space, you know, when you're at those moonburn parties, and uh, I think just the last, I think the last party you were at was the first time I've seen you actually spank anyone. Uh, most of the time you're there and just kind of playing host. So if if guys are interested in, in, in potentially getting to know you or potentially approaching you with the idea of maybe something will happen with spanking, what should they be doing? Um, they should take no for an answer. <laughs> that's 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 the that's the first thing um i i tend to find that when i'm interacting in the space right mm -hmm. and someone uh wants to play with me uh, and you know a, a masculine person wants to play with me um and i say no they they kind of challenge it and i don't understand why um if i say oh nope not interested today and they're like, oh, come on, you know, you, you know, you want to, or like, what if I, you know, what if we did this or what if I did that? And I'm like, nope, still not interested. Or if they go like, well, you just haven't spanked my butt yet. If you spanked my butt, you'd be more interested in doing it. Or like, once we start, you'll get more into the, into doing this activity. Um, I don't, I don't get it. I, I don't know why, you know, someone just can't take no for an answer. If I say no, once is enough. Um, if if someone keeps pressuring me into it, like even if they jokingly try to do something uh, of, of like teasing me about my, my no, um, they kind of just going into a never pile. Right. Right. Yeah. Like, that's just kind of like, Oh, okay. Well now you're not going to respect my boundaries. If I ever, you know, speak up about them because you're just going to challenge my boundaries. Uh, so let's just put you in the never pile. Yeah, I mean, I should put out your you're having you on here is a, a good reason to talk about that, because it's not exclusive to heterosexual men that experience with someone uh, that those kinds of experience and those sorts of 
bothersome interactions that that push people away and in fact one of the one of the things that pushed me away from bottoming and i've mentioned this on a podcast was having experience with a top at moonbird party who just didn't read you know didn't read the bottom was not responsive to the bottom you know to my reactions i essentially had to stop the scene because like they're just the chemistry wasn't there he was trying to get me to react in certain ways that are not like he was someone who wanted to do the discipline thing and he's like call me sir and you've been you know what if you, you're a naughty boy and i'm like no no i'm a i'm a 42 year old man what are you doing you know <laughs> um yeah back then uh <laughs> i'm not 42 anymore but um so but that, that's something i hear it's something i hear from particularly and again if we could talk about age related you know differences in age groups i hear this a lot from younger guys regardless of their sexual orientations um and because well, you know yeah but, i think i think consent is becoming a, a bigger conversation right? Mm, right not only are we talking about just getting consent in general uh, we're talking about getting specific consents. We're, we're moving away from exclusionary of like, what are your absolute don'ts to what is it that you want? Right. Ex inclusionary consent. Like what in this experience would make it enjoyable for you? Um, right. So uh, the the way the conversation is, is going uh, around consent um, is a really being driven, I, I think, across the board by many people. But. Uh, I think the younger generation is is very much into it and is very much an understanding of like what does this look like and how can we can we apply it? Yeah, one of the things that one of the recurring themes recently on the podcast is like so how so so there has been this there has been this cultural theme and I'm not sure how much it goes into the whole pansexual leather and, and SNO community, but we see it a lot in the gay leather community. You'll see these stories like the gay leather community is dying off and it's just, it's not, that's not true. But the reality is the, um, the culture, you like, there's no relationship between a 20 year old, you know, coming into uh, his sexuality, in 2019 with a 20 year old who was coming into his sexuality in 1955 you know it's right. just an incredibly different cultural space and so like you know the the idea of what a uniform is in it for a uniform fetish is changing hugely you know that what what younger people are embracing in the fetish scene is changing but that doesn't mean there's fewer numbers of them. It just means that the approach is different. And those of us who are part of the community need to kind of adjust, look for ways to invite them in and make them feel comfortable. And then, you know, and that's how play happens. And it's not like telling them, telling younger people what experience they're supposed to have. Yeah. And, and kind of tagging onto that or, or, or adding on to that. Um, the second part of this is don't assume what side of the slash I'm going to be on. Right. So what I mean by that is like, don't assume I'm going to be a, a, a bottom. Right. If, if we're going to be engaging, if you want to come and, and, and play with me, um, don't automatically come up and say, oh, yeah, you want me to spank your ass. Uh, it, it's going to be a no. It's like, nope, you got the wrong person. I'm, I'm a top, you know. Um, or the other way, if someone's interested in playing and they're like, I bet you really want to get us you know, really spank me, huh? Paint my ass red. It's like, nah, I probably don't. Um, 
So mainly because they're not interested in knowing me as a person. And, and we'll talk about that in, in the, in the, you know, in the don'ts list later, but it's pretty simple just to come up and ask like, Hey, what are you into? Right. Why are you in this space? Um, you know, things like that, right? Uh, uh, getting to know what my intentions are, what my motivations are. And if they happen to align with yours, then we're going to have a better chance of playing. If they don't align with yours, don't try to convince me that they do. So if I if I say I'm a top, don't don't then belittle my identity or, or what I enjoy playing with by saying, oh, you've just never had a good spanking. Because now, once again, you're just going to go in my never pile because now you don't respect how I view myself. You don't respect the experience or the work I've put into to exploring my sexuality. Um, and you're just going to question it. Right? Yeah, yeah. It, it kind of goes into it's a, it's a signal. Well, first of all, this is obviously a red flag. You know, like we talked earlier about like, OK, if you're not going to respect what I say, what's going to happen if we're actually playing? Are you going to actually respect what I say to you while we're doing a spanking scene, which is extremely important that you do? Um, but yeah, there's also, um, a f the flag that it sets off to me is, is a certain idea, uh, uh, this person who, who has this fetish, um, that we all share, but they're, they're only really interacting in terms of fulfilling their own fetish needs. And they're really not looking with the idea that there's a relationship, you know, even if it's just a short 20, 30 minute relationship, that includes this other person. They're only right. seeing they're only seeing in the terms of how do I get what I want. Right. And that kind of touches on, on three and four, right? So I sort yeah. of ended on um, don't challenge my sexuality. Right. It's the same thing. If I if I say I'm straight, don't don't question my my straightness. <laughs> <laughs> it's not it's not your place to question my sexuality. It's my place to question my sexuality and how much I want to get into that. Um, I'm definitely not going to accept a stranger questioning my sexuality. So, you know, and usually if someone is questioning my sexuality, it's not because they want to play with me. It's because they want to have sex with me. And that means that like, oh, so that's just another way our intentions of engaging with one another are completely different. Right. I'm not interested in having sex with you. Um, so, yeah, don't if I, if I say I'm straight, just respect that uh, and, and know that it's not going to happen. Um, and that kind of leads into the to the fourth side. What, what you were talking about is don't fetishize me. Uh, don't use me to fulfill your your fantasy. I think when we when we talk about fetishes, I I sort of have an issue with fetishes because I think a fetish is a form of objectification. I'm also realistic in saying that everybody has a fetish and we all objectify people. But if your primary reason for interacting with me is so that you can treat me as an object, I'm not into that. Right. I'm not, I'm not here to fulfill your fantasy. So when you're engaging with me, what these all four things come down to of respect my no, uh, respect where I fall in the slash, respect my sexuality and, and treat me uh, and don't treat me like an object. What all four of those come down to is just treat me like a person. 
Yeah, one of the one of the more fascinating things is so so I don't um, I don't identify as asexual, but I, I have been very clear you know here in my podcast in my profiles that I I, I am homosexual I am gay, but I hardly ever have sex, and the spanking play for me is the sex you know for me that is the the intimacy that feels like sex, and the what, what's fascinating to me is that. I never get challenged on that from within the spanking community. No one, uh, no one, very, no one in person. I mean, I have had some interactions with people. It's like, doesn't it, you know, isn't it really foreplay? And I'm like, no, no, it, it's really not. Um, but but it's, it's very, very rare that anyone within the spanking community challenges me over the idea that um, I, I do not get sexual with the men that uh or, and I'm not necessarily interested in getting sexual with the, the men that I'm spanking or men that I'm being spanked by. But once you find once someone is identified as heterosexual, it all goes to this spot where suddenly it's not OK. And I don't or there, there's a problem with that. And I don't understand the nature of it. Maybe maybe I'll hear from some people who are listening to the podcast who will say, well, this is why we challenge this. Like, and maybe it's because, you know, we have we, we've we've talked about this is it's the, the moon birded party is such a, you know, a, a gay oriented space. Mm -hmm. And so um, when you were in that comfort zone, um, it it rolls a little bit older as far as the crowd there. So, so, um, you know, forties and fifties We're you know, we try to get some younger guys there. Um, and, uh, and now and then, but, but there are people, you know, gay men who have are established and have a, a history. Um, and oftentimes it goes back into a history of feeling maybe isolated from heterosexual males, you know, uh, as part of their growing into their own sexual, their childhood, their teen years and growing into their sexual orientation. And so it does make me wonder then if there's just some subconscious, like the whole, are you really, are you really is about, you know, we have so much baggage from being isolated from heterosexual men. Like it's difficult to trust that response. Well, it, and, you know, it could also be a couple of other things, right, where um, there is a generational gap, uh, yeah. though I think there there is discrimination um, when it comes to being a part of the LGBT community. Uh, it's a lot more accepting for me to be out now than it would be, you know, 30 years ago, uh, 40 years ago. And I think with that is there, there were quite a bit of people who were maybe um, – questioning are you actually straight or are you just scared to say that you're gay and i think that is a much real much more real experience for them of, right. of them growing up versus now where i'm like nah i'm pretty comfortable with my sexuality gay is okay it's just not me right yeah that is that is true i hadn't really thought about that how much easier yeah because like um uh growing up in you know the the era of of the, the worst parts of the HIV and AIDS scare, you know, if um, there was like this a, a wall practically between between heterosexual men and, and gay men and, and neither side believed in bisexuals. <laughs> and now it's funny how that that one is funny how that well, I'm, I'm sure there's still some holdouts, but like I hadn't even thought about the fact that that like really 
I know quite a few bisexual guys, and no one like challenges that so much as as much as they used to. So, but um, yeah, yeah, that that makes a, that that's uh, an interesting dynamic. Um, I mean, I will say that in regards to this conversation, I only have it within gay spaces. It doesn't. I don't have these conversation in pan spaces. Even when I'm topping another guy in a pan space, the conversation of sexuality just does not come up. Um, you know, so it it is very strange to me of of those differences. Uh, I I do not know really specifically why, and I think it'd be hard for anyone to sort of narrow it down to this is the reason why it happens. But yeah, in a pan space. Sexuality doesn't get brought up. Sex doesn't get brought up um, with anyone I play with. It's not part of my negotiations. It's not part of the reason why I'm choosing to play with someone. Uh, it's, you know, and I make it pretty clear when I am negotiating a scene. It's like this isn't going to be sexual in nature. The intention is to connect with one another and become closer by the end of it. Um, like I was talking about earlier, I enjoy the, the intimacy and the vulnerability that I'm able to create within my scenes. And the path is through pain. That applies to every single person, and and no way do those things have to include sex or sexuality. Right. Um, I think the other thing that that is tough, I think, for for uh, heterosexual men to come into a male spanking scene is just consent isn't really a, a big priority within the spaces I've been a part of. Um, I think a lot of times we talk about like a consent violation or a consent incident. We, we think it like this very big, uh, egregious thing that, um, you know, more so closer to uh, rape. But really just just touching someone's shoulder without asking them for permission, you've then violated their consent. My body is my body. It doesn't belong to anyone else. You do not have a right to touch me in any way unless I've said it's okay in this particular way. Right. You know, I, I've agreed to a hug. That doesn't mean you get to touch my butt. <laughs> you know, that isn't your opportunity to like, you know, you know, get a quick grab. Right. Yeah. 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 And it's easy to like, it's, it's easy to, it's something that I've thought about more and more as, as I'm getting older and uh, playing with different, you know, playing with any number of different guys. And I've even like done, you know, I've done stuff and I've said afterwards, like, um, for example, with, with JR, um, who I find in, incredibly attractive and he knows, um, I, I will kind of like get physical with him. And I was doing that, you know, after a certain point, I was like, wait, and I did say to him, you know what, if, um, if I am being too physical with my contact with you, you know, as a bottom, as you know, please, for the love of God, say something because I don't want you to make you like I I, I want to make you feel sexy I don't want you to feel uncomfortable mm -hmm. you know and so so but he's been and so he's he's made it clear that he's fine with it and so so now our physical interactions you know um I, I know they're okay but there was a point where I was like oh I need to I need to make sure you know that that this isn't an issue and I I have heard you know and even and again I think it's it might be more of a generational issue as opposed to an orientation issue because I know some other younger guys in the scene who who have had similar you know concerns um, as you who feel like that um, almost like you know zoo exhibits or something or you know like or well creatures in a petting zoo would be a little mm -hmm. bit more accurate whereas like 
Um, I've made jokes about this uh, on the podcast that, that, that um, some some men get particularly upset when someone they find uh, attractive or and particularly someone who's younger and attractive is not interested in playing with them um, and they can act out about that. And then this scares younger men in particular or inexperienced men, certainly, um, and definitely heterosexual men um, out of the spanking scene. Yeah, I mean, it's I, I mean, I've had my consent violated with nearly every single one of uh, the gay men close in my life, whether it's two years into the friendship or it's, you know, six months into it. Um, at some point, the majority of them have violated my consent in various ways. Uh, when I've gone to Moonburn, I've had little micro consent violations you know, as I'm walking down the hallway and someone spanks my butt or just in general of like touching me or grabbing my thigh, like, don't grab my thigh. I'm just chilling here, sitting, having a conversation like I get you want to say hi. You don't have to fill me up in that process. Um, and so I can totally see where if uh, being uh, being a straight male coming into um, a male spanking space, which is predominantly gay. I probably don't really want to stick around for, for too long. I may have someone that I want to play with. I go and I play with them and then I'm done. Cause the right. longer I stick around and if someone seen me play with another man, it's almost as if they now have a right to play with me too. Um, right. And that's just, it, it's a weird feeling and it's, it's something that I don't really engage with, which is why when I have attended Moonburn, I usually wear a, a voyeur sticker. It's right, like, yeah. I'm shutting down all forms of play. Even though I play with men in this space, I feel a little bit uncomfortable just because of my previous experiences. Now, just so we're clear, I love Moonburn. Moonburn has been a, a really cool thing. It's why I enjoy being the uh, one of the hosts there. But it's also one of the reasons why, um, even though I love Moonburn, it is still a predominantly gay space. And I have these micro aggressions happen to me even within that space. I usually say, hey, if you want to play, come play at a different event and, and more of a pan event. Because in there, I feel a lot more comfortable um, because the, the, the culture and the atmosphere is going to be a little bit different. And it's going to be more on top of consent. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. My, I, I haven't really been to many pansexual activities, but I have been to some sort of like open social uh, gatherings at uh, Threshold, the club where the Moonbird Party took place. And yeah, and, and it's a very different, it is a very different feeling. And um, uh, once you get into people who don't all, who, who don't all assume they have the same sexual orientations, the same compatibilities, the same fetishes, nobody operates on assumptions about each other, which is, which I think is a good environment to have. And I think like, trying to find ways to bring that into these kinds of events would make it feel um, more open and hospitable to mm -hmm. um, uh, other people. Um, so when yeah. The, yeah. Which I think ties back into the podcast before this one of how do you bring um, millennials into these organizations or into these events? Yeah. That's the way to do it. Just not don't assume and, and, and ask, especially if this is a really hot button topic for us. Um, that's how we feel welcomed is when people treat us as a person, not as an object or a fetish or, or a fetish or um, don't question us in, in our own experiences. 
you know, they kind of just let us be who we are and appreciate that. Right. Yeah. And yeah, to be clear, though, because um, some of these some of these challenges are similar to things that happen in other, you know, in pansexual fetish scenes, like people acting out when someone they want to play with doesn't want to play with them. Oh, we see this all the time, uh, uh, you know, especially with with female dominance. Right. Um, it's it's very interesting when I hear stories of a male submissive feeling like they had a right to play with a female dom. Uh, <laughs> it's like, yo, that is not cool. Um, and even with me, I, I find that I'm attracted to to female dominance. Um, I love people who are dominant, right? So kind of going mm-hmm. back to playing with a, a, a masculine person who who's maybe more muscular than me or taller than me or bigger than me, um, hairier than me, right? Uh I'm, I'm, I'm from the South. And so I believe like there's like a social ingraining there of that men are dominant. Right. And so when I see a a female who is dominant, I'm attracted to them too. Turns out I'm just attracted to dominance though. I'm not a bottom or a submissive. There's something about doming another dom that kind of plays into that competitiveness that we've already established that is very attractive to me or interesting to me. And that puts me into a greater headspace. But I still respect that female dom's role. If they do not want to play with me, I'm not going to ask or I'm, I'm, I'm not going to question it. And even if I find out that they're like, if I ask them, hey, so what size slash are you on? Like, oh, I'm a dominant. I'm not going to ask him for play anyway. Right. Because, yeah, because that's. Yeah. Some, yeah. All right. OK. It, yeah. All right. So with that, I mean, you know, talking about the 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 nature of, of, of fantasies and interactions and, and how you're picking partners. I think that's a good way to shift into the fantasy life of spaking. And, you know, because one of the things that definitely everyone who is, who's not heterosexual in the dudes spanking dude scene is very curious about what's going on in the heads of heterosexual guys, you know, their what fantasies do they have do they have fantasies so to start with though i just want to get into because you're a dominant person uh in your spanking play a lot of guys want to know like well heterosexual men who get spanked like what are they thinking about and um i have had some interactions uh with with heterosexual bottoms and i i know several tops uh you know daddy vegas who's been someone who's been on this podcast a few times he uh, he's, he, uh, has a couple of, uh, guys that he spanks that are heterosexual and there's with them, uh, sometimes it's like, like with me, um, they want to feel that sense of being pushed. The pain is a way of pushing your body, you know, that sort of athletic jock like component. I've always had, you know, jock fantasies or fantasized about jocks as both tops and bottoms, but there is also the fantasy. There are, there are heterosexual men who get a sense of, sexual some sort of some sort of fulfillment in scenarios where they are being disciplined by a male figure as opposed to a female figure um Mm -hmm. and it is and i think i don't think even though you're on the different side of it i'm not so sure that it's all that different the idea of this this relationship with uh, a masculine partner that's not about sex so Mm -hmm. so is there that sort of like that that fantasy the, the fantasy or what you're thinking about when you are spanking a man. Uh, you know, I, in truth, I, I I don't really fantasize about right. spanking men. Um, I it, it's not a 
none of thing comes up. I'm so sorry for everyone who's listening who's like, what? <laughs> and no, there are it's some good people in there. There are some people who are going like, I call BS. Now, remember, y'all, I told you no is, no is enough, right? Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't really have fantasies about, about spanking men. Um, I have fantasies about spanking. Right. Or I get moods about spanking and I really don't care who's on the receiving end of that. Um, but specifically men, not really. Uh, I do definitely fantasize about spanking women. That turns me on. (laughs) (laughs) And very specific women. <laughs> but, yeah, uh, I I don't have a fantasy. Now, I will say I am someone who really appreciates service. Right. And I remember my very first interaction I had at a leather conference was when a pup came up to me. This pup uh, was, was, um, was masculine and uh, is masculine and noticed that I was new and this was my very first conference. And the next thing I know, I now have a pup sort of like guarding or protecting me the entire conference. And I really appreciated that. Um, and so I definitely had fantasies of maybe men serving me, but not in a sexual way. I just enjoy uh, having that, that, that guard, you know, or having that sort of protection. Um, but yeah, topping another man or, or anything of that nature, not really. But it's the thing you actually enjoy doing in practice. So it's a very kind of interesting idea where you can have this. Um, we associate, sorry, I, I interrupt my own sentences way too much. Um, uh, something we talk about in the podcast frequently when we're specifically talking about spanking is that fantasies play an important role in helping uh anyone who's involved with speaking get into the appropriate headspace for either giving or taking pain or enduring pain. And, and some people really, really, really need it, but not everyone does. And I'm actually getting into a spot where like I talked about getting more and more into bottoming and like letting go of the idea that it needs to be fulfilling this particular like slice of a fantasy for me to kind of get into this space where I'm allowing to push myself. Yeah. Um, well, and it's weird because I, I get this question a lot. Like, do you enjoy role playing? Um, and I, I, I don't really role play. Uh, and people find that interesting because I, I, I am an actor. And so it's and they're like, wait, but you do it for a living. Why won't you do it when you're doing your kink stuff? And it's like, well, because when I'm role playing, I'm putting on a mask and those masks can be used different ways. Like sometimes wearing a mask can help you get into or be more authentic to who you are. Like when I'm, when I'm putting on a character, I end up discovering more about myself because I'm putting myself in someone else's shoes. And I think when we're wearing a mask, it can go one of two ways. You can either figure out more about yourself because you're able to explore yourself, explore yourself more because that mask is serving as a protection, or it can go a different way where putting on that mask ends up detaching you from part of who you are. Right. Especially right. if you're channeling a different energy. Um, for me, that's what ends up happening to me when I'm playing in the scene. I want to bring ex- all of who I am into it. So I don't need a mask or I don't need to role play to to enhance the in- experience. 
Um, if my ultimate goal is to take all of who I am, bottle that up into an energy and transfer it over to somebody else, I hope that that person would do the same to me, which is part of the reason why I don't do discipline play. Um, right. Right. So because it's not it's not fulfilling to me, but it is for some. And, you know, their kink is their kink and that's OK. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, I've had some awkward situations where um, someone wants to go into that kind of space. And it's, it, that is that is tough for me as a, as a top. But definitely, definitely as a bottom, I don't do discipline play as a bottom. If you're looking for me to say that I did something wrong, I, that's not going to happen. And because like once I get into the headspace, I want I actually want it to continue. I'm like. I'm not going to say something that's going to stop the spanking. What are you kidding? You know, so (laughs) (laughs) no. Um, So, so yeah, so that's interesting. And so I think the the lesson here, of course, is, is, is much like when we're talking about real life play is, is recognizing that, um, that these fantasy dynamics or the existence of them at all are just, just these wild variables uh, between different people and almost, you know, as the same kind of lesson from the real life play is you really need to not be assuming that this other person is, um, going to be interested in the same kind of fantasy space. And instead that's, that's part of what, what we're negotiating. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I, I will say part of my negotiation is I, I sort of ask someone, if someone's like, I want to play with you. And I'm like, okay, well, what do you imagine when you play with me? <laughs> right? Because there has to be some sort of, if you want to play with someone, you've at least thought about it. And that thought was pleasurable to you. So there has to be some sort of picture in your mind of what that experience is going to be like. I don't think that's necessarily a fantasy, but for some it could be, right? Um and so I definitely ask those questions and, I'm like, and I definitely have those experiences when I see somebody who I think has amazing energy. I think I'm really vibing with. Uh, we talk about that of what do you see when you see yourself playing with me and do those two things align with one another. Right. So, you know, but when I think of fantasy, I'm, I'm thinking of I'm thinking of the really cheesy porn uh, <laughs> and that. That does not happen for me at all. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. So I think like to conclude this, it's, it's very interesting that like um, a lot of challenges faced by straight dudes in this baking scene are can be dealt with with a lot of the tips that, that we've been giving through over the course of, of this podcast's existence, which is recognizing that your personal fantasies are deeply personal, not necessarily shared with your partner, respecting that, first of all, like the, the very basic is realizing that like no two people are into spanking the exact same way uh, and for the exact same reasons. They're necessarily looking for the exact same things. And so respecting that, negotiating that space um, and realizing that your partner in spanking or partners, because God knows I've done two on one, three on four, all sorts of fun scenes. But those relationships um, are, are based on communicating and respecting that the other person also has a scenario or a fantasy that they want to be fulfilled as part of the spanking scene. 
so any um any final any final thoughts for for anyone who attends the next moon burn <laughs> yeah <laughs> um if i'm wearing a, a v for for voyeur please respect it <laughs> you know um and yeah i i but i'm also always down to chat uh for someone who's interested in getting to know me as a person um i'm i'm always up for that and if we end up connecting as people i'm going to be way more interested in playing yeah um uh and i would add uh again something i saying constantly is that this baking this is the reason we call it this baking community the reason we call it the S&M community which is these are not just people that you meet with and spank each other this is something that this is a culture that you belong to and you should be developing relationships with these people that aren't always about spanking and so being friends with these people is also very important and so like when you i'm i'm friends with you know i'm friends with a lot of people in the spanking scene who i've tried doing spanking play with and it turns out that we're not compatible for whatever reason i'm not compatible with them they're not compatible with me one or the other it just didn't work out but it, i don't like avoid them i don't ignore them they aren't unpeople to me they are friends and so i just kind of want to reiterate we want you know we want to have i i certainly want heterosexual dudes to feel comfortable in a, you know, in a dude spanking dude scenario. And that includes treating them as potential friends, even if they do not want to be spanked by me, even if they do not want to spank me. It's very important that because that helps them feel more comfortable, helps them find what they're looking for, helps them make connections, those connections with other men. And to put it bluntly, if you treat other people in the spanking scene as people, as opposed to, um, you know, a means to an end, the chances of you getting, you know, having those experiences increase and you'll enjoy them more as well. Not only that, but if you want to have, you know, all men, heterosexual, bi, uh, gay, pan, trans, you know, whoever it may be, um, just treating every person like a person you're going to end up having a healthier community yeah. where everyone is represented inside of it. So that's, that is definitely something to, to sort of ask is if you only see one demographic of a, a of male spanking, then why is that? As, is there something systematic that's happening that's making other men who don't identify the same way as maybe uh, the others do feel uncomfortable? Right. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's very important. And yeah, and you know, I I hate to beat the keep beating the drum on that, but it is as I've learned from being in the 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 gay spanking scene for close to 30, oh god, how old am I? Uh getting close to 30 years. Um is that so much conflict and frustration and drama that originates within any any fetish scene or any S&M scene is heavily driven by one party not respecting another person's autonomy. Yeah. So. Yeah. And so with that, um, 
But, you know, I have hope. Um, the fact that I hear from so many people from doing this podcast who are looking for ways to get into the community. I should mention when I went to Badass Weekend at, at, uh, in Georgia, it was their 10 year anniversary. They had their biggest crowd yet. They sold out both hotels. Lots of people who were completely new to the spanking scene. And that was really, you know, it's their first time doing something big like this. And that's a really, really, really good sign. And so I'm hoping to keep pushing for things like that. And I might have more news on that, uh, on something like that in our next podcast episode. So, Wonderful. But, yeah. So with that, though, we're going to wrap things up for this episode. I want to thank you, Cutter, for, for being on here and speaking about the experiences of heterosexual men in the dudes spanking dudes scene. Um, and for anyone, yeah. uh, anyone who wants to reach me, you know, if anyone wants to give me feedback about their experiences with heterosexual men or those of you out there who are heterosexual men who want to jump in, I put out a call out for questions. and I only gotten a couple of them that were ones that we were naturally going to talk about anyway. So I didn't really bring them up. But thanks for the questions that I did get. Um, if you want to give me some feedback about experiences with dealing with with heterosexual men in the spanking scene, I'd love to hear it. Uh, as for me, if you want to contact me. Uh, I am on Spank This Hookup, says Red SPK Scott, on other for forums like uh, Recon, WAPS, and Scruff as Red Spank Scott. Now, one of the other things I discovered from Badass Weekend was that um, people tended to, to default to seeing me as a top because it's how I presented myself for a very long time. And as I was getting more and more comfortable with bottoming for more and more people, I was realizing that people weren't approaching me with the idea that they might want to spank me because I had been such a, you know, I had been so careful and cautious and like, you need to be the right kind of guy for me to bottom floor. And as I've kind of like come out of my shell, I realized that I really should create an identity for me as a bottom. So I actually now have a new secondary profile. You can reach me on either one, but if you want to look me up on recon, uh, spank this or, um, or WAPS as hotbot Scott, uh, that is my bottoming profile. And you can, you, you can treat, it's the same guy. You know, I, I don't role play on those things, but I just wanted to create a profile to invite men to approach me with the idea that they want to spank me. So not okay. uncommon on all, not uncommon yeah. at all. Yep. Uh, for me, if you have any questions for me, you can always reach out to me on FetLife at the Sour Patch Kid. We, uh, I, I found out from from Jr. that that uh, a lot of gay band S and M refer to that as het life, uh, as sarcastically. <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> but yeah, yeah, fet life. And um, and it's also good if people wanting to know about threshold because like a bunch of us, and I, I believe I mentioned, uh, I don't know how how many of us at uh, Moonburn have joined Threshold officially. Oh now. gosh, we're looking at thirty people now. Right. Yes. Yeah. So we're all like officially members, and that just kind of improves our relationship with Threshold. Um, it's one of those things that starts to break break down that wall. There, you know, there was a, a sort of a not really on purpose, and it wasn't like malicious, but there was definitely felt like a sort of a separation with the the Moonburn, you know, this all male um, scene with the rest of what goes on at Threshold. And I think more of us becoming members of Threshold are going to kind of like deal with that and, and make us all a little bit more comfortable with interacting with each other. So. For sure. I mean, if, you know, small plugs, we also have another all men's event at Threshold called Men's Bondage Club. So if you are a man and you like bondage, great event for you. 
Uh, and if you want to, um, we also have an event called Pride, our LGBTQ party, uh, which is a, an official threshold party on the fourth Saturday. So, you know, I think there's absolutely room for everyone to sort of support everyone else in the community, especially within the threshold community as well. Right. Yeah. And uh, what is their website? Because I know you have the calendar on there. Uh, that people we sure can... do. Yeah. So on the het life, uh, <laughs> it is uh, threshold underscore L.A. Instagram is threshold underscore L.A. And our website is threshold dot org. OK. Yep. All right. Uh, and so once again, uh, thank you very much for being on the show, Cutter. I hope uh, I hope people treat uh, treat your concerns with the spirit with which they're intended. And it's not about making someone feel bad, but creating an environment where men feel comfortable doing having these experiences with each other. Absolutely. Thank All you right. for having me. Yep. All right. And uh, see you all next time on Dudes Bacon Dudes. <laughs>